Welcome to Couch Convos, Centric Biz and Tech Talks. This is John Cackley. I've got Narendra Sundaram with me as co-host, and today we're talking with Amy McJoint and Anelia Schmidt about women in consulting. Good morning. Welcome, everybody. How are you today? Good morning. Good. Thank you, John. Thank you, Narendra. All right. Uh, thanks for joining. So the uh, original kickoff for this call was that Anelia and Hillary Lee from Chicago Centric were awarded a uh, Women Consulting, oh, gosh, I feel bad, I don't know the precise title, Consulting Magazine, Women Consultants of the Year, was that the title of the award? Oh, gosh, no, I don't think of the year. No, it was oh. like leading women <laughs> in consulting. That I think that was the category. Okay. Was there, a, I know there was a nice dinner. You went down to mm-hmm. Texas for a nice dinner. Was there, did you get a plaque, a trophy? We got, a, we got hardware. Um, hardware? Okay. Nice, <laughs> a nice glass plaque with our names and consulting magazine on them and the recognition. My seven-year-old claimed it for her room, so it's not displayed in my office. Okay. All right. Every uh, awardee was able to say a few words, and the theme of it was, what is the advice that you would give future women leaders, which was a nice theme that um, both Hillary and Anelia did a nice job of kind of speaking to advice for future leaders. Got it. Yes, yeah, so no, Hillary isn't with us because she is nearly the world's busiest person. Anelia, what what advice did you offer in that? What, what advice did you offer to uh, future women leaders? Gosh, May was so long ago. Okay. So mm-hmm. what advice did I offer? I think I might have said, make mistakes and accept coaching. Okay. Generally, my advice was, it was consistent with what a lot of nominees were saying in that as a woman in technology or a woman in consulting, you might be plagued with some thoughts or concerns about competence or Mm -hmm. belonging. And so to really drive your career forward, you need to get out there, trust your judgment, take chances. Yeah. All right. Now, did did you have a mentor perhaps earlier in your career that you learned from, that maybe learned some of those lessons from? Yes, many mentors throughout my adolescence, high school years, and in my career specifically. Um, There's one that I am still very close with from, you know, my tenure at a brokerage company. And we still connect, and and he was just a, a guiding light for me on how to do the right thing, how to stand mm-hmm. by your principles, but also make progress, how to operate in the gray. So he's just been he's been wonderful. And actually, I've been very fortunate throughout my career to have um, mentors and what I would call sponsors, mm-hmm. uh, both inside my companies and outside of them, who have looked out for me, guided me on, you know, how to achieve the next step in my career where I might not be looking for it. Mm-hmm. Great. You Great. know, I don't know if this is unique or, Amelia, I'd love your input on this. Recently, 
I have had two people approach me to say, I'd like to you to be my mentor. And I think that's something maybe unique about women, but I don't know, Narendra and John, you tell me, but I've been really pleased that women are asking for this mentorship and this leadership. And I think they're quicker to ask. Um, I don't want to stereotype to your point, John, but <laughs> are women more apt to ask for mentors and, and follow those mentors or sponsors versus men? I, I don't know. But um, I, I thought it was interesting that they asked. And um, I mean, I was honored that they asked and we've set up some regular calls in that space. And it'll be interesting to see. I need to Google what it means to be a good mentor because I'm a little nervous now, um, but because I want to do a good job for them. But it's also people not only within our company, but outside of our company, too. Just And I liked that approach of kind of giving a perspective outside of Centric specifically. One of the there's one piece of um, literature that really stuck with me. This was many years ago. I read this article that talked about how for women specifically, women mentors make a bigger impact than males, which I thought, and I can't recall where I read this, but it really struck me because a lot of my sponsors and mentors have been male. And so to your point, Amy, I started making a concerted effort as well to look for female role models and influencers that I can learn from in my career. It, that didn't organically happen, I think I had to start putting myself in that spot more. I do think there are, um, without generalizing, I think there are benefits to having, uh, I'll say, someone in the same, someone who shares some life experiences or family roles or, you know, just a career trajectory as you guiding you. Yeah, I think, Amy, to your point about the creation of the mentor relationship, I think a couple things. One is I've seen companies try to institute some sort of formal mentoring. Every example I've ever seen has failed. Now, part of the reason I think they may have failed is that some people, and that may be men especially, I don't know, look at mentorship as an organic development of you know, you have a working relationship with somebody, you know, you click, it's something that's fostered over a long period of time. It's not a, it's not an assignment. It's not a job yes. role. Yeah. Um, that's the way I would kind of view it. And yeah. that means when you try to artificially create it, you know, you can't sort of create lightning in a bottle, you know, on demand, sort of, mm -hmm. I guess is the way I'd put it. Um, but it is great. It's always nice to be asked. But the other thing is, I think, you know, I think it'd be great. I want to hear what you uh, turn up when you search on how to be a good mentor, because <laughs> I feel like so many things we do, we act, so many things that a mentor can do, we do through coaching. There are a lot of other ways that you get that sort of input. I think a mentor really, I would say, is when it's something that's a long-term connection and it's very, you know, it becomes very personal. But I've been fascinated. Now we want, I want to do a, a podcast on mentoring. That's on mentoring, <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, we're over 10 minutes in and we haven't even asked the first question. So the, you know, so I guess our first question is what are the changes you've seen in your career regarding opportunities for women or the treatment of women 
uh, in business. Uh, when we start, Amy, what do you think? What have you seen that's changed? Anything that you've seen that's uh, progressed, maybe gone backwards? Hmm. Uh, good question. Having always been in IT, uh, I have seen an increase in women in the field. And maybe part of this is I started out in uh, technology in terms of development. I was an application developer. And I think with the onset and growth of the project management space and that PMO organization, I see much more female leadership in those roles, uh, whereas in technology, it was much more male oriented. So I have seen growth in terms of the percentage of women coming into the field. Um, I also have been a huge advocate for women getting into technology. I think it affords women a lot of flexibility in terms of location, even in terms of the ability to be part-time versus full-time when you are in you know, family mode, if you have young children at home, I think it provides a lot of opportunity. Um, some of the changes I've seen, I do think, to that point is they provide a lot more flexibility. I mean, you know, technology and technology consultants, if you're good, they're in high demand all the time. And I think women can take advantage of some of that flexibility from a, a work perspective. So I certainly have seen that as a change in the industry. I'd still love to see more women uh, in technology overall. And I have done some work with my university and the computer science department. And it, the number hasn't changed a lot in terms of having more women in that field. And I'd, I'd love to see more women get into that field. All right. Anilia, how about you? What, what changes have you seen? That's a good question. I've been in technology for about 10 years. And I do have a reaction to being called a woman in technology because I don't think of myself as a woman in technology. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, sure. right? But I've spent most of my time on the project program management side, business analysis. So I, I feel like a translator for technologists and, and business people I have not detected a difference in how many women throughout my last decade, right, on this side, how many women I was interacting with early versus nowadays. I do think, though, that the feminine skill sets are more valued now than they were when I started. So organizational listening, empathy, persuasion, negotiation, rapport building. Those are just a few of the examples of things that I think organizations finally understand are really valuable. And they can come um, in a female or somebody that's very apt to, you know, do those, uh, to practice those skills. But, um, but I encounter those skills more in um, females in technology. And I see that organizations are are raising the the bar for what's expected in that space. That's great. That's mm -hmm. great. Yeah, I think one of the things that I've seen change, and this is one of those things where there's sort of that curtain, you know, between genders. That so you guys would not have observed this. What I have observed is 
a significant change in the respect that women in business or consulting are given in male-only conversations. I will spare you any examples, <laughs> um, at least in anything that's being recorded. But, you know, and it may be that it has changed less than I've changed where I've been sitting. So I'm not in the same places where that, uh, you know, that sort of uh, lack of respect was pre you know, would be present. But I, I've seen a change with that. You know, there's there's no, there's not the same sort of constant doubt of, you know, does a woman belong in, in the position in the field and the, you know, whatever the, you know, in the circumstance. So uh, I, I feel like that's a very positive thing. But as I said, I, I, I wish I could feel that uh, my anecdotal view of it is, uh, <laughs> is indicative of a larger change. I can't, I wish I could swear to that, but I don't know that we can. So, well, and I think John too, there's still um, a, there is still a belief out there that in order to be a successful woman in technology, you have to behave like a man, <laughs> right? So there are dominant traits that help to be successful in maybe in the application development space, the, the product <laughs> space. I, I, I don't know, but I've encountered a lot of, um, and I've learned from a lot of really powerful, but feminine women, like, mm -hmm. and I, aspire to be one of those where mm -hmm. you don't necessarily have to be untrue to who you are in order to deliver the results that the business wants to see. All right. So what do you see as challenges facing women generally in, in business or consulting today? And we haven't totally leveled the playing field, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think one of the challenges that I see uh women needing maybe, maybe this isn't a challenge but i you know one of the the characteristics that i really try to help empower women is merely the concept of having confidence having confidence going into a meeting having confidence in your voice having confidence in you do have something to say when you come into a meeting and i think that's still a challenge for many women particularly younger women an example that I have provided a couple of people along the way is I've seen emails that open with, I'm sorry that this happened, or I'm so sorry that I was late for the meeting. And I've looked at that and I've suggested to people to say, how many times has a man opened an email with, I'm sorry, or I apologize versus a woman? And I said, just take that right out. You know, there, there, there's no reason to apologize. And oftentimes they're not even apologizing for their, themselves. They're apologizing for the situation or the circumstance. And I think that that bleeds into this whole concept of confidence and your voice matters. But don't open an email with, I'm sorry, or I apologize. Yeah, and I liked Amelia's point about you can still be empathetic. You can still, and maybe there is a time to apologize. I won't say that you never do that, but I think we are too quick to do that or take the responsibility of some circumstance that happened. But I think we need to come with a stronger voice to the table and with that confidence. Yeah, hey, John, can I, ask I like a quick that. Follow yeah. up on the confidence yeah. thing there from Amy. Uh, I think um, that's that's an interesting point. And is there a reason why uh, 
women, well, at least here's my thought, right? Men can say things confidently without even knowing much of the subject, but women, they really know, want to be perfect. They need to understand the subject. Is that the core? I don't want to, again, go into that stereotype concept, but it seems to happen a lot. I even see in personal experiences at home, right? Yeah. Unless someone knows the subject, they don't feel like confident to say it out. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you, Narendra. I, I agree with you. I don't know the history behind it. I, I, I don't know if, again, it, it just leads to that we need more validation along the way, maybe we need more information before we, we can confidently say it. And again, you know, John, I like your theme of we shouldn't overgeneralize everything here, but I, I do think that it just that that idea of your voice does matter or you can caveat it, but you should still be able to say it. You know, they do those studies where a woman says something in the meeting, and then a man says the exact same thing in the meeting, and everyone agrees with the man's comments, but they just yeah. never agreed with the woman's comment. And I, I think about those and just making sure that people are being respectful. And if I were to give advice to the listeners, just making sure you're listening to everybody's voice. Right. And I think to Narendra's suggestion or example there, I think one of the things that we have as a value within Centric is being willing to be vulnerable. So, you know, first of all, there's the classic, you know, there's the new guy card. You're new on a project. You know, you ask all the dumb questions and, and so on, at least for a certain length of time. And it's always a joke of, you know, when do you have to give up the new guy card? But the, the other part of it is, you know, perhaps I as male can feel more comfortable to say, I don't know, you know, teach me how this works. You know, help me understand you're the expert, right? Where people, perhaps in less period, of, less a position of uh, less of a comfort zone, might feel less comfortable admitting that they don't know something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think humility is definitely an underrated virtue <laughs> virtue in the business world, but it's yeah. it saves us from making mistakes. So it's definitely a good one. It mm -hmm. invites voices to the table to discuss. Like you said, John, that's a core value of Centrix, right? Vulnerability, humility is found here, which I think creates richer dialogue within Centrix than um, in some other places where you are rewarded for doing the behaviors that typically are correlated with confidence and assertiveness. Because in order to really seem effective, and productive, you know, I, I think, you know, typically to be an effective leader, you have to make decisions, be assertive, and be confident. Confidence comes with that. And so confidence is like antithetical to humility and vulnerability. So how you balance those um, can be the difference between being an effective leader with soft skills and being someone who, to Amy's point, is dismissed from the table because you don't appear to be sure of what you're suggesting. It leads to my next question. A few years back, we did a centric book club reading of Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. Now, my recollection of that book, and please correct me, it's been years. What I took away from that was that it totally emphasized the women have to behave as males, you know, with, with male 
stereotypical um, business behaviors and communication pattern in order to succeed. Lean-in appears, as far as my reading, to have almost been completely discredited <laughs> by this point. I know, Amy, you and I at least were in that book club. I don't remember, Renelia, if you were in that book club or if you've read Lean-in. Any thoughts, you know, is, have we sort of come around in a circle really fast on that one? Or, <laughs> you know, I don't know, it, it seemed a little, the book even seemed a little flawed when we read it. So it wasn't mm -hmm. like everyone thought it was perfect when it came out. Yeah. I, I agree. I don't think it was perfect when it came out. I do think that, again, though, it, it spoke to just that whole concept of, concept of confidence. You know, let's go mm -hmm. in with more confidence um, than you do. I agree with your general sentiment that I'm not sure that, to Anelia's point, we don't have to be men in order to be leaders, or we don't have to follow male stereotypes to be leaders, to be, and I think all the characteristics that Anelia laid out are typical female leader characteristics that make us strong leaders as well. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of uh, one of the things that I studied in um, at the University of Chicago was uh, this concept of like if someone asked you to say, are there more female librarians or are there more something else generic, right? And you tend to identify the smaller set because they fit within the schema of who is a librarian, right? So people would erroneously guess that there were more female librarians than this other person because it fit their schema for who's a librarian. And this is hmm. why I have this negative like reaction to being a woman in technology, because as hmm. long as we caveat women in technology, we will perpetuate this belief that this is, this is an oddity, like women in technology is not the norm. We're all in technology. We're all leaders right. in consulting here, right? So, and right. women, males, moms, dads, thing, you know, like Veterans. I think we're yeah. all unique in that mm -hmm. in our contributions. But they don't define us or differentiate. They do. They differentiate us, but they shouldn't separate us. And that's, I guess, one thing that we have to get better at as a society and culture is to accept people for who they are and their uniqueness, regardless of which group they fit in. Right. Well said. Uh, so do you think consulting is a better or worse career or environment for women compared to other, uh, other roles, other uh, careers? I think consulting is probably a better role for women, it, it goes back to Anelia's point of kind of re removing removing that a little bit. But here's why I think consulting is a good role for women. For uh, better or for worse, an organization has decided that adding a third party is going to add to their ability to deliver. I'll use in general word, mm -hmm. to deliver. And so you immediately come in with some level of credibility because you are a third party firm mm -hmm. uh, or you have a third party tag, you know, on, on your on your name or, you know, the, the, the piece. So you immediately come in with that potentially. Potentially, they just need need a, an outside resource. But because of that, I think it levels the playing field a little bit. You are a consultant. 
And again, it doesn't really matter if it's male or female, Amelia, because I'm with you on that, but you know, you are a consultant and you do bring some level of expertise, reputation, unique skill set, or ability to deliver to that organization. So I think consulting is a, is a good industry for that reason for women in particular. All right. Anelia, any thoughts on that? Absolutely. Fully aligned with what Amy said. And I'll, I'll even um, take it one step further. I think that as consultants, you know, we're paid to identify, to listen to the client, to identify their problems and um, figure out solutions. And I think that is a, um, it, you know, if you're capable of doing that, then you are capable of being a consultant. And it's very empowering to arrive at a client and to hear what they're um, having trouble with and to have solutions. And that builds confidence too. And so I think it's a, it's a cycle that continues to give and refresh females, males, anyone, when you're able to help the client to achieve their uh, business outcomes. Yeah, I, uh, thanks Amy for, for the way you put that because it gave a new perspective to something I've thought about for a long time where you go to a, you know, you show up at a company as a client, as a consultant, and you're, you know, you, you have all this, whether you, you know, credibility, cloud, people are going to listen to you, right? Yep. And yep. The interesting thing is I had never thought about it in the way that, you know, I, I've often reflected it back to my clients where I will tell my clients, look, I'm your mouthpiece. You know, you've got all these ideas and maybe your, your management isn't listening to you, mm -hmm. but, you know, I will present them, right? I can, you know, they'll they, pretty much they have to listen to me, uh, yeah. but I'd never really thought about it from the avenue of, you know, that sort of uh, stamp of authority can help from a whether it's gender or, you know, some other perspective, uh, but that it makes total sense. Makes mm -hmm. total sense. Dorinda, do you have any questions you want to slip in before I keep us rolling here? Sure. Yeah. Um, so one thing I wanted to ask is, yes, we all agree that there has been progress or more women, but are there still areas where they are underrepresented, you know, like, like for example, leadership roles or even within technology, there's so many areas, right? like cybersecurity, for example, right? There's so much opportunity there, right? I'll give you a personal example of mine. I've been pushing my daughter there, you know, to go <laughs> into that more area more. And so she's taking a cybersecurity class this <laughs> semester in high school. She's <laughs> in a senior year. And there are two people, two girls in the cybersecurity. The rest yeah. of all are guys. Yeah. So it almost like starts at a very young age sometimes, you know, this yeah. trying to stay away from some of these areas. How can that change, you know, where you feel that we need more women in these areas? Yes, we've been doing good here, but do we need to look at it at a more granular level? I still think in the more technical areas, there still tends to be a leaning more male oriented. You know, if it's developers or more low level code, a lot of the network and circuitry, I agree, IT security has it. Um, there, there still tends to be, I think, more male dominated in those particular roles. I, I would still encourage women to work in those roles in order to broaden their experience as they move up to leadership roles. I think it's great to have a more um, diverse set of background. And I think being able to talk a little bit in bits and bytes or 
um, registers for back in the day um, for programming languages or uh, to your point, security protocols um, and so much of that is changing. I think that'd be a great area, but I think it is underrepresented by women today. I think too, um, and that's a great question, by the way. I think it underscores the difference between equity versus equality. I, I would say across the board, women are underrepresented everywhere. If you consider equ equity versus equality, right? The goal, I don't think, should ever be to have one woman for every man in every position, right, across the board. I don't think that's the goal. The goal, though, is to make it an option for everyone that's interested. And and maybe some of those roles just don't interest women as much as they interest men, and that's okay. So the equitable distribution of males to females in those roles would look much different than the C-suite, for example, which I know interests a lot of women, <laughs> right? And so if you look at those statistics, they're improving, but they're not where they should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to say in that regard is probably if there are more women in security, you know, those qualities you're referring back to, Anilia, those qualities will probably make security much more better for companies, <laughs> right? <laughs> we we want to probably see more women CISOs. Narendra, to your point, and I was not gender specific with this, but as a woman who was a computer science major and in technology, I did, I'll say the word require all three of my children to take one programming class in their life. And I said, be it in high school or early on in college, I think you learn a creative problem solving and, and an understanding of how, be it your phone or your iPad or a television, how you can figure out that creative problem solving to resolve it. But it didn't matter because I have two boys and a girl. It didn't matter if they were a boy or a girl. They all had to take one programming class <laughs> in their life. So maybe I'll push them to all take IT security classes next. But, uh, <laughs> I just required the programming class. All right. Cool. Anilia, you want to say something? All right. So uh, some of the something in the question just reminded me of a, a story that my father told me from years and years ago uh, from his professional career, which is going to take us a little bit back, further back in the conversation, was the circumstance that would happen and how uh, women were getting left behind in business. Now, it wasn't in technology. It was, it was an accounting firm. But what would happen was this, sort of this paternalism. You'd have, you know, Women get hired at, at typical rates, given the same sorts of jobs. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, the women can do this job. But it was like, oh, you know, this sweet young thing, we don't want her to have to do this really tough job or deal with this really tough circumstance or a tough client. And <clears throat> so they'd be given something that was perceived as easier. And then that sort of continues for two or three roles. And then it's like, okay, who's getting promoted? Mm -hmm. Well, we can't promote her. She hasn't done anything really tough. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. the paternalism is, has sort of snuck around. So, you know, it might have been, well, I hate to say well intended. That's a horrible expression for that. Sort of, you know, I mean, the, the paternalism or the uh, protectionism there was, you know, ends up coming around. I mean, now that was that was my father talking about something a generation and a half ago. Have you guys ever seen anything at all like yeah. that? You have? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, I studied it as a psychology major oh. at, in college. It's called benevolent sexism. I also encountered it in my career. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And it does. It is. It's very. It is protective, and I 100% agree and believe that it's not ill-intended. But this concern for what's going on in her life, or might she have a baby, or might she do this, mm-hmm. being weighed against. Well, he does a good job, right? And it's like I'm oversimplifying it, but it right. it shouldn't be that way, right? Because we don't ask is is he going to start a family when we decide to give him the next role or the next project or the next opportunity and it we really need to trust women to be able to make those choices for themselves. Um and I'm the crazy one who will apply for a job pregnant. I mean, I had an interview <laughs> it was for an internal move, but I was visibly pregnant at the time. And I shared with the hiring manager that, um, you know, both are important to me. My career progress is important to me. And so is building a family. And mm-hmm. it really shouldn't be looked at together because I don't think it makes sense to, and it's not serving women to do that. I've definitely been in conversations where you have an opportunity for someone and and I'll say this on on both sides male and female we prejudge well they are very busy at this time or you know they're just coming back from you know a, a difficult assignment And I think that's wrong as a leader to prejudge. We need to allow the person to make that decision if the opportunity presents itself and we think they could be a fit and be successful in it. I don't think it's our position to determine workload or perhaps they would be willing to commute a longer distance because it's the right opportunity. And and, but I think for women, it's particularly hard because I do think, well, they just had a baby or they're about to have a baby or there's additional caveats that are presented with that, that we should let the person make the decision, not prejudge them. Yeah, that's always a tough call in hiring because I've actually run across, pardon me, run across enough cases with with men who are thinking this person doesn't want this job or this yeah. is not a good job for them, but they're qualified. They could do it, you know. And how much it's like, no, you have to let them decide. You have to let them right. make the decision and have the experience. Exactly. And, and yeah. you know, I, I particularly remember one guy interviewed, I uh, was trying to build a team in Minneapolis. This guy had lived in Madison, Wisconsin his entire life and would be leaving a company he'd been at for 30 years. I'm like, this guy doesn't want to move his family to Minneapolis for this job. No yeah. way. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, well, it's not your call. You know, That's exactly right. Yeah. So. All right. So now sort of the, this is a tough question. So how does Centric compare to your past experiences, maybe elsewhere? Um, has Centric been better? Do you think Centric still has, you know, some room to improve here? Nobody dares answer. No one's going to answer that question. <laughs> For our internal <laughs> podcast job, like, are we really allowed to say this? Did I mention this as an external audience? <laughs> we, we, yeah, we, we need to go into like a... Uh, uh, Witness protection, right? I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. Um, I, go ahead. No, I, I, I will start out and say, 
I think I've had a very positive experience with Centric. While it certainly leans heavy male in leadership numbers, and, and I, I don't know if all of our numbers are, it, it leans very heavy in terms of male, in terms of leadership. I have always felt as though my voice has been heard. Um, I don't think I've ever felt Amy was given this opportunity or promoted because she was a woman. You know, there there's never that, oh, well, we need to promote her because she was a woman or she needs that. I've always felt as though I've been judged on an even playing field. And, uh, and I hope the same for our business unit in terms of making sure that we're equitable. Um, I feel fortunate to be a part of Chicago. I think in Chicago, we have a great set of female up and coming leaders and current leaders, Anelia being one of our, our great assets here in Chicago. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think we've been able to play a very fair um, playing field. And um, I think it's been a great opportunity here. Great. Anelia, anything you want to add in that? It's a difficult question because when I compare experiences, I'm also different in the experience. So mm -hmm. what I looked for sure. before is may have been different than what I looked for and brought to Centric. Um, but I, like Amy, have had a very positive experience here. I think we um, have much more open and honest conversation. We're more accepting of different perspectives, cultures, and opinions here. Is that is that a consulting thing? Or is it a centric thing? This is my first consulting, you know, company that I've belonged to. But I love that part of centric um, that we do have a lot of diversity and good dialogue. That's important. I also feel like I've found a family in centric that I didn't have in you know my prior global matrix experience uh so that helps <laughs> yeah and and i i have friends here and i've always um considered that you know a good metric for if you are really in the right place is how many friendships are created in in that environment and so um, you know, I look back at my career and the places I've worked and how many lasting friendships come out of that. That's a good metric for um, whether I use that time wisely. Yeah. Yeah. And there's one thing. It, it's one of those really subtle things, but I think it is. Uh, it's a good indicator. I think the sort of things that Centric does, for instance, at our, like our summer meetings or our, our holiday meetings uh, as events or opportunity, you know, things that that we do, you know, they're they're designed, maybe consciously, maybe not consciously, not to sort of separate by interest men and women. My my background is how many places, you know, how many previous events I went to with other companies, where okay, you can do. We're at this resort. You can do golf, or you can go to the spa, right? Yeah, and. Yeah. Of course, all the male partners go to the golf, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, deliberately, if you don't want to play golf, regardless of who you are, you know, you aren't getting that FaceTime with partners, right? Hmm. And yeah. and I, re I remember particularly with one company where we had a, a big event in New Orleans, 
And I thought it was pretty cool because we actually had like four different events. It wasn't just here, go off and play golf or go to the spa. There was something I remember going on a voodoo tour, you know, going to cemeteries in New Orleans. But even so, it was sort of like there was built in, you know, I think there was one male partner who went on like the voodoo tour or whatever, you know, it was just sort of, mm-hmm. you know, the even when there were multiple choices, the partners were not making an effort to show that they were equal choices. And I feel good. I don't think centric, you know, puts us in that sort of situation where if you want, you know, your your career is depending on what social activity you go to. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's important to 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 everybody. It's not just, you know, for women. But I've been to many a pub happy hours, John, because that's <laughs> where the whole leadership team was going. And I was one of one or two females in attendance, typically. Yeah. So I do love that we're thoughtful about how we build our networking events. And we've done a variety of things, um, including, you know, restaurants and and drinks. But we've also done game nights and we've done, um, you know, other excursions. We went to a dog park that my girls I have no dog, but I just showed up because they love dogs. <laughs> You know, and you were there. And it was and Amy, during COVID, and we, we needed yeah. to get outside and see people. <laughs> and that was so great. You know, yeah. we loved that. And that so fun. I think our, our team is pretty good. But yes, another plug for Chicago, Amy. We do a good <laughs> job of making sure that we create yeah. those opportunities to connect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. We're nearly out of time. Uh, Narendra, any last questions? Any last thoughts? And then we'll just, we'll just go around for, last, for closing thoughts here. Yeah, I did have one question which I wanted to ask earlier. I, forgot, I hope it's not too long, but maybe you're going to get a quick perspective. You know, we talked a lot about men. How about women? Do sometimes women come in the way of women growing? I've heard a lot about that. I've heard a few people talk about that from women I know. How how do you feel about that? Oof, I don't want to make a general statement about it, but I definitely think what differentiates the response is the, the perceived threat. So there are absolutely women who perceive women to be a threat in in how they present themselves or in the work that they're coming in to do. And I don't think this is specific to women, but it's a fair question or under anyone can perceive threat in you coming in to kind of help them do their job. And it can be a man or a woman. And in that way, they can um, not treat you very kindly. And then on the flip side, I also think there's another genre of that where women will take the extra step to help pull them along as well. I think you would see both where someone thinks, oh, I see the potential in this. She hasn't quite heard her voice. She doesn't quite have that self-confidence that I think she needs. And they may take the extra step. So I think Amelia is right because I hear both sides of it, but I but I also wanted to say I also think there is a an angle on it of trying to encourage more people to have a seat at the table, more women to have that seat at the table. Mm-hmm. All right, Amelia, any closing thoughts? Thank you for the opportunity to do this podcast on women in consulting. I really appreciated the time. Could we have done more? That's. A- Mm-hmm. Here's, Next time here's we'll just a call it a podcast on consulting. There we go. Be cool. there you go. Well, actually, I've got to say, we're going to do another one on mentoring. You know, I've, I've got it written oh, down right here. I think that'll be awesome. 
Yeah. Amelia, maybe you can add to my list. Here's a couple of things to think about when you're working with women. One, don't ask us to take notes. Everyone should be able to take notes. Number two, don't ask us to be in charge of the party or the social committee all the time. Should I had a third one as well? I forgot about getting oh, coffee. The third one would be I'm good. I, I like sports and I am happy to talk about sports, but keep it in balance. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know, think about it. And in our virtual environment, I appreciate the camaraderie that it creates. But just remember to keep it in balance. Like, I think it's fun. And heck, fall started this past weekend because it was college football. And I watched game day in the morning and I loved that. And that was fun. But just keep it in balance and not let it overwhelm all of the conversations or all of the, the camaraderie that happens. That, those are great. Yeah. I, I'm not sure I can add much to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> same. <laughs> I'm not saying they happen all the time, but I do think there's this, like, who's going to take notes so that everyone looks at the woman? You know, uh -huh. really, have you guys ever really seen that? <laughs> have you? I, I'm, I'm astonished because, I mean, that was in one of our training classes, our, our harassment training, was that example. And yeah. part of the reason it started out, stuck out to me is that typically in my role as a project manager, I usually assume I'm taking the notes, yeah. right? Yeah. And I would assume it based on role, not based on, you know, oh, the woman looks most like a secretary. You know, that's yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I don't I, see it. But as I guess much as I mean it's certainly to. historically it would have happened, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I'd say that's more historical, but just thought I'd throw it out as a reminder. Sure. Yeah. And for anyone that abuses that, what I would say is I heard a great quote from a movie whose title I cannot recall, but the quote was the hand that holds the pen writes history. So if you are a woman and you're going to take those notes, you write history. So go ahead and write it. I yep. like it, Anelia. Yes. I like it. I like it. Yes. All right. Thank you, John. Thank you, Narender. Great conversation. I appreciate it. Thanks, Thank guys. You. Yes, this has been great. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. This has been Couch Convos, Star Trek Biz and Tech Talks. Thanks to Amy McJoint and Amelia Schmidt for joining us today, and to Narender for co-hosting with me. And thank you for listening.